Tokozani, Magu, Namaste, Selbona, I see you and recognize the divine in you, in me, in all of us. I am Gogo Tulegani. I'm a Sangoma medicine woman, priestess, seer, diviner, time traveler, and all of the great things that my ancestors have created me to be. I am devoted to the ancient ways of the ones before me who were healers, wisdom keepers, who understood the stars, the warriors, and I am a keeper of the wisdom of the elements of nature. This audio series, Ancestral Dreams, and prophecies is a gateway or a sacred space to see our dreams as teachers and helpers for those on a spiritual journey by demystifying the ancestral realm, our subconscious, and to build bridges between our individual dreams and to share what fuels and inspires my work as an ancestral healer. Thank you for joining the journey. Tokozani, welcome back to the sacred space. I I want to speak today a little bit about the concept of time. They say that time is an illusion. And the way that we experience time in our modern day world is, is very rigid, is very structured. It's been broken down um, in a lot of ways, but it's also very scientific and um, intellectual. And I want to start off by sharing an excerpt from Baba Vuzumazulu. Um, Just sharing a different perspective of time, um, an African perspective of time. And so he writes, the year was further divided into 13 moons, subdivided by its phases. A day was divided into four equal parts, sunrise to noon, noon to sunset, sunset to midnight, and midnight to sunrise. Distances were often given as a quarter of a day's journey by foot, but this referred to a quarter of the period of daylight. Finer intervals of time were measured against heartbeats. A specially appointed person would sit with his hand above his heart and count to 100. Every time he would reach the century count, he would drop a pebble or grain of corn into a basket. Certain periods could thus be described in terms of a fixed number of heartbeats. There are certain ceremonies that must either be performed at midnight or stop exactly at midnight. The Bantu were always firm believers that from midnight onwards, the gods came down to do some prowling around. Midnight always had to be determined, and the first approach was the clumsy heartbeat way. A poor man had to sit and count his own heartbeats from the moment the sun vanished until the moment it appeared again, dropping a grain in a basket for every hundred beats. The following morning, the score was counted and this was divided by two. A rather ingenuous contraption was then designed whereby water was allowed to drip from a calabash into a container and the container would start sagging when the water reached the required weight. All this was timed so that from start to finish, it took exactly half of the number of heartbeats from sunset to sunrise. These devices disappeared rapidly when clocks were introduced into Africa central years ago. So I love this depiction simply because it's just a different approach to time. Um, looking at time from the phases of the moon, looking at time from the how many heartbeats, how many times are heartbeats in a day, and um, understanding how the energy changes from night into day and from sunrise to sunset. Um, it just seems like, you know, obviously a more natural way to observe time. Um, but I kind of want to switch the subject a little bit from into the east and and looking at Kali, Maha Kali, the goddess 
in um, a lot of Hindu texts and, and the Tantra tradition. And so Kali is often associated with Medusa or she's often associated with this scary, creepy, um, or, or, or very powerful energy. And Ma Kali is, is what they call Kali Shakti, Kala Shakti or the power of time. She indicates the impermanence of all things, which is why she wears, a like a garland or a necklace full of skulls, um, yeah, she, she basically represents the ultimate transforming power of time, which takes us from death to immortality. Along with endless time, Kali is boundless space. She is the limitless void. She is depicted and indicated by this dark blue color. And um, her dance, her magical dance, is that of transformation um, through all existence. In the Tantra tradition, um, they mention Kali as one of 10 great cosmic wisdoms because in a way she is, she's the one who spins the wheel of universal time. Um, on the other hand, at the end of, a, of the manifested world, time devoured all of the universes of three planes of creation, the physical, the astral, and the causal universes. So the great cosmic wisdom of Kali devours time itself. And for that reason, she is viewed as the pre-mortal cause of the creation and destruction of the universe. So what I want to share about time is that, first of all, on, on this spiritual journey, on this ancestral journey, there are a few things that come up that really challenge and shape our mindset and perspective about life and one of those great great teachers has been time at least for me it has and I think that one of the things that we see on this journey is there's a challenge between knowing and mastery you know you in any type in any form of journey and study and or training whether you're learning how to be a firefighter or a nurse or a healer um you 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 practice and you learn and you grow and you seek to become some type of master or to gain some level of understanding to better navigate um, life and to do your work on this planet. And I think that one I know that one thing that I rubbed up against is just my expectations of time and and how we view knowledge and intellect in our societies. Um, I think that we judge ourselves a lot around time, how long it takes for something to happen, something to manifest, or how well we understand things. And we, we even judge ourselves when we feel like we're making the same mistakes time and time again, and we feel like we're not growing, or we feel like something, we must have gotten something wrong. And um, one thing that you hear a lot about is how um, even the master is always a student, right? And I think that we want to attain a certain level of spiritual knowledge and understanding, and we want to grow up spiritually. And sometimes we're faced with this feeling like we still don't get it, or we still don't know enough, or we know nothing at all. <laughs> and we feel like constantly be being made um, to feel like a child again. And that is, is a really important part of the journey. Um, I feel like we idolize knowing and intellect. 
Um, we, we put a lot of value on how much we know and how much knowledge we have. And it makes, it creates unnecessary expectations, um, that don't always match the energy of the spiritual realm. Um, one thing that I've noticed, especially depicted in, in superhero movies, for example, is that you have this superhero who randomly comes about these powers, right? And he or she kind of stumbles in the beginning and it's like the power works sometimes it doesn't work sometimes and and they go on this heroine's journey to understand their power and even when they finally come into their power and start to help and assist humanity um, they still fumble you know there's a great um, monster or a great um, figure that they have to fight against that makes them question their whole existence all over again Um, one of the first spiritual kind of fictional books that I read when I was in India was a book about the it was like a mythological book about the story of Shiva and he is a deity and warrior um, in the east and as I'm reading this book about Shiva it's like he had resistance the whole way through Um, when he was told that he was a leader, that he was a healer and that he was going to do this for his people, do things for his people. He didn't believe it as he went on the journey and went where he was supposed to go. Um, and he started to learn, um, the teachings of the divine. He doubted it at every single point. And I remember at that time reading and, and, and feeling a sense of just okayness and feeling better about myself. Um, just because it, it showed me how even these great deities or these great leaders and these great spiritual masters, they still doubt themselves um, almost all the way through. And I think that there is this um, demystifying that occurs or this um, limiting belief that begins to dissolve around what it means to be knowledgeable, what it means to be able to help and assist people, or what it means to create in this world. Um, I think that we're all searching for this ability to lean on something and to grab onto something and to have something written in stone that we know for sure. And I'm not sure that that really exists. Um I I sense that something in our intellectual brain doesn't want to believe that the journey will make us into who we are, who we are beyond what we think we're capable of doing, Um, that no one ever really fully grasps onto the totality or anything, because that is God, you know, Um, and and when we speak about things like divine timing and trusting the universe, um, I think that these are things that we understand and that we accept, but we still wrestle with. Hmm. One of the things that um, I have learned and I have explored and I have seen is the importance of releasing judgment around time, releasing judgment around what we think we're, we're doing and acquiring and, and how it it's all supposed to work out. Um, I once had this beautiful omen and message that came through a vision where um, it was shortly after watching the Black Panther movie and I found myself in this realm that was very much like this high tech place where there was just, it was very dark but there was all this technology around me and I experienced the ability to slow down time, the ability to speed up time 
and um, and I could feel myself moving the energy, yes, the energy responding to me, and having this, you know, when we think about power, we think about control, but it wasn't about so much that I was controlling time, but that I was understanding how flexible and movable time was and how we are very much a part of time. Um, and I even experienced, I saw my higher self running around everywhere in the world, everywhere in the universe and making stops and almost, um, placing notes or reminders in different parts of the world so that no matter where I ended up, no matter where I went, I left something for my present self to be reminded of the truth. And so these omens and these experiences have helped expand my understanding of, of time and help be more, help myself and us be more fluid around time. Um, we are a part of it, and it is us. Um, we have no control over any of it. And it's funny because I think one of the things that I, I in the past would really get to me was, you know, just impatience. And I remember picking up this book, a friend's book, and it was about Kali, and it was specifically talking about how Kali is the ruler of time. And I immediately started to think about, you know, any type of frustration that I have around timing and how things are happening is almost saying that I'm frustrated with this goddess. I'm frustrated with Kali, and she is the one who understands when things need to happen and when they don't need to happen, when things need to be removed and when things need to be put in place. Um, she is very um, strict in the sense of, um, or more so on point. She is very, she understands the energy of destruction and she removes what doesn't serve us out of the way. And sometimes in traumatic ways or what feels like traumatic, things can just quickly disappear from our lives and we don't understand. And I, I, I just saw that if, if time is a great cosmic wisdom and teacher and I'm constantly wrestling with it, I'm constantly fighting with it, then I'm, I'm, I'm almost going against God. Yes. I'm, I'm fighting with the gods. And, um, I just wanted to put these ideas in your ear, in your mind, to look at how you view your life, how you view time, what you consider to be accomplishments. You know, what, what you've, you've um, said to yourself, well, I want to accomplish this by this age, or I'm this year's, this year's old and I haven't done this, or I'm not where I want to be in life. Mm. And, um, and letting all of that go. You know, sometimes people observe in me and my work and they're so fascinated by the things that I've done and what I've accomplished at the age that I have accomplished it. But, you know, I, I, I started this ancestral healing journey at the, around the age of 25 and that felt really late to me. I, there's so many things that I'm just learning about myself that I used to think like, I should have known this from jump. Like, why don't we come out of the gate knowing these things? (laughs) And so, again, wrestling with time, um, but understanding that time is its own vibration and 
we are a part of it and how we dissect it is you know it can be it can stem from our society it can stem from our ancestors and how they they perceive time but the ultimate spiritual message and teaching has always been patience and when I think about this poor African man back in the day who sat and from sunset to sunrise and counted his heartbeats and I'm I'm just like do we even have that level of patience anymore do we even um have that level a level of stillness can you imagine what it takes to sit and count your heartbeats without missing a beat without your mind um you know starting to think about something else like what a powerful meditation that in itself is um what a beautiful omen and message that is to remember um and to embrace about ourselves so that's kind of what I wanted to share um and I trust that somewhere in this message was something that you needed to hear For this next segment, I want to pay homage to and honor my ancestors. I'm grateful to have been called. I'm grateful to be alive. I'm so grateful that they allow me to know who they are and thus better understanding who I am. And so last year when I was in South Africa, in Soweto, um, me and my very close friend, Nyame Kela, were just hanging out and he was... Um, he is a, an artist and a musician, and he was on the computer working on his music, doing his producer thing, and I was listening to his his art and his sounds, and I was just so inspired. His, I mean, you know, I just, I recognize his talent and his creativity, and I don't even remember how, but as I was sitting there listening and we were just talking a little bit, um, but mostly he was focused. <laughs> Um, I ended up on the mic and I just, he was like, just, just start talking. And I ended up just sharing a little story about my ancestors. And so I just want you to listen before I share some more. So for me, sorry, yo, I Okay, so I'm just telling the story, or I'm okay. All right, okay. Imagery. Okay. So in a really royal West African village, I hear myself. I mean, it's okay. 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 So in a rural, very rural village in Western Africa, many years ago, there was a grandfather, an African man, living in community in the huts with his wife and children. And he was a faithful man welcomed 
the concept of God and really was devoted to the land, to his family. And one day in being in his garden in the bush, he had some type of spiritual connection with the spirit of the bush and it spoke to him. And it told him how and taught him how to heal bones, broken bones. Yes. So after this time in the village, many people would line up at his hut and wait for him to heal their broken bones or broken ailments in the body. And so he would let them come in. He would use herbs and the secrets that the bush revealed to him. This man is my grandfather. (laughs) And I didn't know that about him until um, in my early 20s. Um, I didn't know that there was anything outside of Catholicism in my family. I didn't know that um, someone else in my family had the ability to heal. So when I found out that I had an ancestral calling, I thought it was strange. I didn't have any particular gifts or abilities. I didn't know anybody in my family that did anything like this. I felt like the oddball, the black sheep, sometimes the reject. And I, when I randomly stumbled upon a conversation with my family that brought about this story of my grandfather, I had a Sankofa moment. I had an opportunity and experience that allowed me to go back and fetch information about my lineage and my blood and my roots. And so this, this information allowed me to remember that it's not just me. <laughs> that it's not this random thing, that this is inside of me, this is in my blood, not even that many generations back. And that gave me a sense of pride to remember that, to know that. It gave me a sense of confidence and strength and that I'm not so, this is actually normal. This is actually the norm, right? So a level of acceptance that memory can bring to us that can allow me to walk in this world differently. Mm. A memory that plants me deeper into the earth. Yes, and thus I can walk um, not feeling so scattered or not understanding yes, my power and my strength and um, because I'm able to locate it. I'm able to locate it and it is real and it's not just in my head. <laughs> and that is what memory can give us memory about our ancestors and it's funny because when I think about the things that my parents told me about what I was like when I was two that I can't remember even that gave me a sense of freedom yes to know what I was like when I was younger (laughs) to see what oh yeah that's still there and that's where it started (laughs) and that is my innocence you know that's me before I was Not so much tainted, but influenced by my surroundings. So memory is everything. (laughs) 
and even the hard memories. They make me strong. <laughs> make me strong. And now I know how to navigate darker areas of life. Isn't Nyame Kayla's music so otherworldly? I appreciate you, brother. Um, I want to close by sharing, you know, around this idea of ancestral memory, remembering our ancestors, DNA activation, and what that means. I mean, I think we all know what that means. The words are pretty clear. Um, I think that, though, you know, a lot of us have... You know, there are some of us who have ancestors who are very recent. They spent, you know, time growing up with them. They knew them for a period of time, and then they they passed on. And um, But a lot of us have ancestors as well who we didn't get to meet in our lifetime. We don't know what they look like. Maybe, if maybe, we have a picture of them in the family album. Um, But we don't know what they look like. And so even if they were to appear in a dream or vision... um, we may not know, we may not recognize them. And, you know, one of the questions that people sometimes wonder is like, what do the ancestors look like, you know? Um, And I just want to share a vision that really, I mean, I don't even know how to share this exactly. It's one of those things where like the words can't even begin to express um, what it felt like and what it meant to me. Um, And it's like you had to have been there and felt it. And there are certain experiences that I know people are looking to have um, that seem so 
hard to grasp and so far away. And so this vision real and experience really like, it's like I could touch it and I could feel it and I knew. And it just gave me that affirmation for all of us that not only is this spiritual thing real, not only are our ancestors very much alive, but it can be touched and it can be grasped. Um, of course, there are many ways to do this, um, but I'm so glad that I've lived long enough, long enough to have touched this space. And so I went on a journey. I went on a spiritual journey into the spiritual realm and um, a lot of things happened. Um, one of the first things that happened was that I felt, you know, when you feel yourself arriving at a place, I felt myself arrive at a place, but exhausted, feeling like I had been running, running, running everywhere in the universe and finally catching my breath. And I just saw the ancestral realm, like not only the spiritual realm, but where the ancestors are in the spiritual realm. I saw the huts, I saw the people and I felt so relieved to be home yes like the feeling of missing home was so strong that the relief was even greater right and so I'm I'm so happy to be home I in my consciousness I can't even speak English I remember myself as a being that didn't speak English (laughs) and I see my grandfather. Now, I didn't grow up around my grandfather, maybe two, three, four years. Then we came to America. Then I, you know, I never saw him again because he passed away while we were here. And so when I saw this grandfather spirit, I didn't even, it wasn't even like a thought in my mind. It was more like a memory, like it's not like the image was something that I had seen in my life, but I felt this deep sense of, I know this person, <laughs> you know, I felt the sense of, this is my grandfather. This is the one who taught me everything that I know. This, this feeling of like, this is my best friend. Yes. Um, something I've never felt before. And I started to just see, you know, one of what I did see was not, though I saw some imagery in terms of like what we may see in a book or a picture, the most clearest vision of him wasn't so much like a, a, a picture in the sense of like this vivid colored thing. It was like, if you imagine lines, if you imagine like, um, you know, when we were in school, those clear papers where you would draw with the marker and then if you hold it up, you see this, this outlining. It was like this clear outlining of this grandfather's spirit. And I had all this memory around him. And right after this experience, I started to feel the energy of death come close to me, basically feeling like I'm about to die. <laughs> and... Um, I was terrified. Um, And it was a moment, it was actually a moment where I started to feel the ancestors were about to start teaching me so many things. It's like we were about to have a deep conversation. And then all of a sudden, the energy of death came and I freaked out. So for those of you that send me messages about being scared about the ancestors, I really understand. I just also know that we have to move past that place. And so 
um, there was more to that story, but that's really what I wanted to share. Um, just how real it is and the appreciation I have for these types of experiences and why I continue to do this work is because I know that we can continue to hold space for these experiences to happen. Um, and, you know, just the last bit on death and the energy of death, it's, it's so common for the energy of death to come to remove something in order for us to receive something. One of the things that's so simple in the depiction in the Black Panther movie of the, um, the ancestor's tea is that when you drink it, it takes you into a dream state or into a death state. I mean, he literally laid down on the ground, crossed his hands as if he was dying after he drunk, and that's how he was able to go and be with the ancestors. Yes. And so sometimes it's like, um, we, we want this quick connection and we don't realize how much we have to give up to even enter those spaces. And it's, and, and I say that give up from not even from a space of like, Oh, I got to start eating right. Or no, I got to meditate every day. I'm talking even beyond that layer, certain thoughts you got to think, give up certain fears that you got to give up. Yes. Certain, um, limitations simply in your mind um, that allows us to transcend and see what is truly on the other side of the spiritual realm because when we enter the spiritual realm there are gatekeepers you know death is a is a big gatekeeper but there are many other gatekeepers and if you are afraid to speak to that gatekeeper, if you are afraid to engage with that people, gatekeeper, if you want to run away from that gatekeeper, you can't enter. Makosi. So keep that in mind. Thank you for listening. And see you again and again and again and again. Much love. If you feel called to contact me or if you are in need of support one-on-one, I recommend booking a reading to speak directly to the ancestors on your specific issues and to see what healing is needed for your life's journey. The ancient mothers have shown me time and time again how important it is for us to not let anything linger, to not let things be unresolved and unfinished. If you would like a reading, you can do so by booking directly on my website at sacredliberation.com. I suggest coming to a reading with a specific intention in mind. You can read my frequently asked questions page on my website or the description of the reading um, to get a sense of how I work and if I'm the reader for you. You can always find free information on my blog or on my YouTube channel to help start or support your ancestral healing journey. Again, if you have dreams you'd like to submit, please send via Instagram, WhatsApp, or you can send an audio message directly here on Anchor FM if you're listening on this platform. If you feel called to support this work and journey, you can do so by sending a donation or purchasing some merchandise on my website, ZuluMoonMarket.com, which supports projects that I am working towards in Africa. Thank you for taking the time for, to listen, for doing what you do to connect with your ancestors, continue to honor them, continue to take care of your elders, and I hope you will continue to bring forth your higher self to this planet, to your families, to your loved ones, to the work that you do. Much love and peace.